on this edition of the Daily Gator Daily Thought, we've got Don Lemon being Don Lemon. What a poopy pants he is. We've got the Washington Post has published something, then uh, the right scoop has covered it further. It is one of the most sickening things I've ever seen. It's an explainer video on why white people should be ashamed of ourselves because, well, we're white. This is evil. Just evil. Uh, we've got Ron DeSantis derangement syndrome already. DDS. Remember the uh, the supposed hate crime at the uh, LGBTQ event down in Miami, Florida? Yeah, it concerns that. Wait to hear this. And we've got the newest, latest, and worstest attack on the Second Amendment ever. It's now racist, apparently. Why not? Everything else is. That's all today. Maybe a little more on the Daily Gator Daily Thought with me, Doug Hagan. Stick with me. It's going to be a fun ride. Let's get ready to kick this pig, kids. Welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. Let's get right into this. Let's get into Don Lemon's psychosis. Uh, the Right Scoop had a piece up that caught my eye about a week ago, I believe it was. Mr. Don Lemon, who's black and gay and obsessed with being black and gay and likes to make fun of conservatives as stupid on his show, likes to claim to be a journalist while he has a strictly opinion show with his opinion. Hey, it's his show. He ought to give his opinion. But the guy's a fraud. And he did a interview with the Washington Compost. And this is what he had to say. Now, remember, he makes millions of dollars a year to do a talk show on CNN where he basically lies to the American people, uses left-wing rhetoric, gets paid a lot of money, did I? Let me repeat that. And all because he's so damn oppressed because he's black and gay. In this interview, he said, I don't think America intimately knows enough people like me. Don, not everyone's gay. I'm sure you you are an okay guy in certain ways. I don't really want to know you intimately, Don, okay? Relax. Maybe not 
maybe don't pop so many Viagra or something. I don't know. You already have a white husband anyway, Don. I would love America, he says, to see black people, especially black gay men, as, and I hate this word, normal, and as a human beings and as part of the culture. Uh, he said this to the Washington Post magazine, Don, you are part of America. You are an American. You're part of the American culture. We all are. Dude, you've got a show five nights a week. What, hour, two hours long, whatever it is? Too damn long, I know that. Uh, you get to uh, mentally make out with Chris Cuomo, interact with him. You get to uh, you make a lot of money, live a very pri privileged life. From what I understand, in an almost exclusively white neighborhood. And it's probably exclusively pretty much straight, too. So maybe you need to be more authentic. Maybe you need to find a black gay enclave, or maybe you can start one, Don. Then you can feel more normal. Because the only problem I have with you, Don Lemon, isn't your color, isn't who you sleep with, isn't who you want to sleep with. Don, I don't even care that you make money. Good for you. It's America. The fact is, Don, you're obsessed with your race and your sexual orientation. I don't know if that's legitimate, Don, or if you're just uh, you're just trying to make money. That's your little angle to keep that spot on CNN that you're getting a lot of money for. Maybe that's it, Don. Maybe you're just a just a hack. Certainly, I've called you a hack enough. Don continued. I don't know if America sees black people, and especially black gay men, as fully human and as deserving of the American dream. Don, I don't know who fed you this bullshit. Excuse my French. But that's the only word I can use. Bovine excrement, perhaps. God rest the soul of Rush Limbaugh. It's complete garbage, Don. So either you're lying about the way you feel, which I really believe, because it gets you big bucks, and or rather, you're just mentally deluded i'm not sure which and it's sad it's really 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 sad see don lemon and people like him are selling you a narrative whether they believe in it or not i doubt but don said that his lived experience has given him the moral necessity of and unimpeachable microphone for using the language he used here. His quote lived experience has taught him that all people are cruel and unjust because some people were all people are hateful and reject him because some people reject and are hateful to him. Don, there's assholes everywhere. My opinion, you're one of them. You're one of the biggest one of them and you're a phony. Because I know during the Ferguson 2014, you were there for CNN reporting on that uh, whole scam that got Black Lives Matter kicked off. And you were criticizing black people for not behaving, the, the, the baggy pants, the gangsta attitude. You were actually criticizing them, and you caught a lot of hell for that, Dom, but I respected you because you gave an opinion that a lot of your audience didn't want to hear, and it went against the narrative.
Of course, you've abandoned all that now. Maybe you make more money. Maybe you really felt felt that way then and feel a different way now. I don't know, Don. But quit trying to be a victim. You're not a victim. Don Lemon, you are privileged. And you're one hell of a lot more privileged than most white people are, have been, or will ever be, Don. So stop it. Stop being pathetic and enjoy your life. And by the way, did y'all know this? Tucker Carlson was playing a video of Don from his uh, home, million dollar home, by the way, because he's such a victim. And there behind Don Lemon in the kitchen looked like a really cool kitchen. I'd love to cook in that kitchen. Uh, and not the way you think, Don. Stop it. Remember, you're married and I'm straight. Plus, I'm white. You don't dig white people very much anymore. So the thing is, he's in his kitchen, very nice kitchen, and right behind him is like a cookie jar, right? When you take the head off, there's cookies in there, except this was like uh, the stereotypical black mammy, like uh, the, the lady from Gone with the Wind that uh, I forget the actress name, won an award for it, for her role in that movie, but uh, she gave the famous line, I don't know enough about birthing no babies. That lady, I cannot remember her name. Um, but it's it's the blackface character like that with the 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 uh, scarf tied on top of the head, like the Aunt Jemima look. You know what I'm talking about. And that's right in Don Lemon's kitchen. Maybe Don Lemon hates black people. I don't know. But let's move on to something more interesting and more important. And let's talk about something. Uh, well, sickening, frankly, I found in the Washington Post. This is courtesy of the right scoop. And it is, I'll be real honest, it is, it is uh, pretty disturbing. Pretty disturbing indeed. The so-called anti-racist movement in this country, I'm reading from the right scoop now, is growing and just got a boost from the Washington Post, which just posted an explainer video that suggests white people should feel shame for being white. They actually think you should be ashamed and embarrassed and feel badly about yourself because of your skin color. Paging Dr. Martin Luther King. Paging Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, your dream, sir, is being absolutely raped by the left today and that they should get in uh, better touch with their inner white supremacy by becoming part of the white accountability groups oh it's about accountability and equity and all these new words new phrases they're throwing around it's basically the same communist bs the same communist rhetoric and we all know the 110 million people killed by communism last century. I'm sure they would agree. This is evil. Uh, WAPO's description that they have in their paper of this video. What is white racial identity and why is it important? When George Floyd died, people across the United States started to look more critically at how white supremacy affects us all. In this episode, we talked to mental health experts and scholars about why understanding your whiteness 
in the ways that white supremacy benefits you as an important part of becoming self-aware. You should be ashamed and guilty. You should probably slap yourself. Perhaps, in fact, I think it's probably better. You should get up every morning if you're white. You should turn on, get your uh, black cast iron skillet, which is probably somehow racist. And you should heat that sucker up. And then you should take your white hand and stick it on the bottom of that uh, that scolding hot skillet to partially atone for your whiteness, you evil white people. This is sick stuff, people. And it's just getting sicker and sicker sicker. Democrats have been on a tear about white supremacy ever since Trump started running for office trying to demonize him and claim he's a white supremacist and that his supporters are white supremacists. But now they've expanded their definitions and are essentially saying that all white people, doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, Communist, Green Party, Libertarian Party, I don't give a damn party, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're white, you ain't all right. That's it. That all white people are either white supremacists or that they just benefit from white supremacy in some way, whatever the hell that means. And that if you're white, you must look inside yourself and root out that white supremacist living in you with a shame for what your ancestors did and what accountability groups to make it sure it never happens again. What if you just moved here? What if you're first generation American, but you're white? What if you're second generation? What about me? Uh, my dad, when he did all the great work he did on the genealogy of the family, one of my ancestors uh, owned four slaves. I know that my grandfather said, my maternal grandfather, his grandson, he, the family, when they were freed, when slavery ended, the family stayed there. They were almost like a part of the family. I know I'm not supposed to say that. It's historically accurate in some cases. But I'm not supposed to say it because it doesn't fit the narrative. But my granddad was telling me one time, I think it was 10, 11, and we were talking about his uh, the, uh, the discipline in the family was doled out by my great-grandmother, obviously his mother, and he said the worst whooping he ever got, he remembered it. He said the worst whooping I ever got, uh, there was a lady in a fam black family. She had descended from those people who were at one time slaves. But she was part of the family, and she had told my, uh, my grandfather, he's like eight or nine, I think, to do something. And he sassed her. And my great-grandmother heard him sass this lady. And in my grandfather's words, with his beautiful Georgia Southern accent, he said, that woman tore my ass up. Worst whipping he ever got was for sassing an elder person who was black. Didn't matter. He had sassed an elder. You didn't do that. You showed that lady respect. She was part of the family pretty much. So was that the racism we're talking about? I'm sure I'll be, someone will hear this, oh, you're defending slavery. No, I'm not. Slavery is unspeakably evil. It goes against every law of God and decent men. It goes against everything I believe in.
the reason I hate communism so much is because communism is de facto slavery. That's just the way it is. You might as well be a slave as live under communism because every right you have isn't a right. It's a privilege that the government allows and that can end at any time. And I tell you that story because I'm not afraid of people looking at the past and studying history as long as they do it honestly. And that has become a weapon. History has become a weapon through critical race theory and the 1619 uh, Project and all this BS about whiteness and white privilege and oppression and equability and e uh, economic justice and environmental justice and this justice, that justice, social justice, uh, anti-cop BS. All the rhetoric, all the lies, all the propaganda the left is spewing at this time. Critical race theory, of course, all the same. But judging someone based on their skin color apparently is bad. This is truly sad. Truly, truly sad. And if you if you go to the right scoop and uh, look for the article they have up, uh, Washington Post creates explainer video, and you will find this piece. And it has these people just pouring their hearts out. They feel so awful that they're white and they're actually down and depressed. What the hell is wrong with you people? The people teaching this are scam artists and they're evil. And the people eating it up and buying into it, I feel bad for them. I mean, they're, they're mentally out of their freaking brains. They're out of their minds. White is bad. The skin color white is bad, according to them. That's no different than saying the skin color black or the skin color yellow or red or brown or bad. People are people. We're individuals. But again, that's individualism. That's what this country is based on, individual liberties. The individualism is something the left cannot tolerate. Because it elevates people over identity, race, religion, or anything else. It puts us all on one plane, equal plane of having been born with natural rights. And our government, our constitution promises to defend those, doesn't create them. None of our founders ever said, we've given you or we've created rights. No, it was all about natural rights that came from the creator. That's actual American history, and that should be taught in school. And, of course, slavery, Jim Crow, all these stupid things that happened, the way the American Indians were treated, some of them, and the way some of them treated white settlers, too, and each other. It all should be taught. I'm not afraid of teaching, but we need to teach more. But you have to teach it as it happened not as what some group wants to have had happen. That doesn't serve anybody, my friends. And enough on that. Let's talk about DeSantis derangement syndrome. You know, Ron DeSantis is really a popular guy among conservatives. The left hates his guts. They hate him almost as much as they hate Trump. And I will predict this. If he runs for president in 2024 and becomes uh, the nominee, well, even if he announces he's running, the hatred for him will actually trump the hatred for Trump. 
Trump they hated because they saw somebody who was going to upset their apple cart. Where the good old boy network, the government being on top, the government being a job that you could come get rich doing, being a senator or congressman or president, you could just enjoy everything. And screw the country. Let China do this. Let Russia do that. Whoever, who cares? We don't care as long as we are doing better. In other words, it was used as a tool to empower themselves. And they saw that and they hated Trump for exposing it and going against it and actually having success. You think they won't treat DeSantis even worse because they've seen what Trump did, the benefit for this country he did. I was just writing yesterday uh, about, uh, hold on just a second. Sorry, I have to take a quick break, kids. And I am back. I apologize, my friends. <clears throat> this is not a high-dollar operation I'm running here. I had to go. There was a person I didn't know was um, coming up the driveway in a car, and uh, I thought it was uh, uh, someone it wasn't. And uh, it was actually the male, male lady coming to bring me my shipment of Black Rifle Coffee from Black Rifle Coffee Company. And just saying I love Black Rifle Coffee. Phenomenal stuff. Really good coffee. And if they were to want to pay someone like, I don't me, to be a spokesperson, do some ads for them, I would be willing to do it even while I drink her coffee, because honestly, it is the best coffee I've ever had. And I'm not just saying that because they actually pay Katie Pavlich to, to be a spokesperson. And let's be honest, they pay her. Well, they pay her and not me. Well, she's more famous. She's much better looking and has far better legs than I do. Although I have kind of nice legs, I think, but she has that gorgeous blonde hair. I don't have either. And there is youth on her side. Shout out to Katie Pavlich. I'm dedicating this episode of the Daily Gator Daily Thought to you. One of the best minds out there. And uh, hopefully she'll run for office one day. I think we could use someone like her. Now, folks, let's get back to this DeSantis derangement syndrome. The other McCain. The other McCain. Not that guy who stabbed the country in the back to keep Obamacare alive. But the other McCain is in Robert Stacey McCain. The, uh, the guy's all right, even if he is a Crimson Tide fan. But he writes about the, uh, the LGBT Pride Parade in Broward County, Florida. And this was, was it a week ago? Uh, something about a week ago, I believe. But anyway, there was uh, a truck that ran into a some some of the people gathered there at that event and uh i and he killed one of them and what did the media do when this happened it happened in florida dade county florida or broward county i'm sorry and of course they took the opportunity to attack the state of florida who voted for trump it's a red state and to really go after ron DeSantis, of course but uh, the other McCain writes, during Saturday's LGBT Pride Parade in Broward County, Florida, community of Wilton Manors, a truck went out of control and ran over two members of the Fort Lauderdale Gay Men's Chorus, 
That's the FLGMC, if you're taking notes home. Killing one of them and severely injuring the other. The truck, as it turns out, was driven by, anybody care to remember, care to guess, maybe you know, maybe you don't. It was actually driven by an elderly member of that group. Because of health problems, he was unable to walk the parade route. So the organizers had chosen him to drive the lead vehicle in the parade. His foot slipped and hit the accelerator, an accident. But immediately after this accident, before it was known what had happened, what did the Democrats do? I would say, what did the Democrats do? Then ask, what, the media, what did the media do? But let's face it, that'd be repeating myself. That'd be known as repetitive repetition, folks. I just made that up. Maybe I can get a doctorate. Maybe I can get a book deal. That's right. By right, saying something very obvious. Here's what happened uh, with the Democrats. What did they do? Did they wait to see what happened? Did they cover it as a new story, but in a tragic story, and see what happened? No, 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 no. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Mayor Dean Trentillis, who's a Democrat, said that an incident on Saturday in which a pickup truck ran into a crowd at a pride parade, leaving one person dead, was a terrorist attack against the LGBT community. No, actually, it was a member of the group that was driving because he has a disability, he can't walk. So he was driving, he had an accident. There was no terrorism involved. I wonder if the mayor has apologized for that. A white pickup ran over two people, killing one in Wilton Manors, Florida, just outside of Fort Lauderdale. The vehicle reportedly barely missed Florida Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, who's still in office somehow, who was riding in a convertible at the parade. Now, how did De Debbie, what's her name, Schultz say? What did she, how, what was her reaction? This is a terrorist attack against the LGBT community. Trantillus, who was in the parade, told local stations at WPLG, this is exactly what it is, hardly an accident. Well, asswipe, it was an accident, a tragic one. It had nothing to do with terrorism or hatred or spitefulness or anything else. You absolute moron, you knuckle-dragging nitwit. You stop huffing paint, sniffing glue long enough, get your head out of your ass, and wait for a story to develop till you find out what happened before you opine, Mr. Mayor. This is exactly what it was. Hardly an accident. It was deliberate. It was premeditated. That right. That's right. That gay man who was driving that truck deliberately he planned it for probably for years probably since he was like eight years old or something he's planned this to one day be disabled and to be driving a truck in a lgbtq parade and then deliberately accidentally have his foot slip off the brake hit the accelerator and run down some of his fellow gay men i wonder if the mayor's apologized or resigned yet I think he should. I mean, anybody who comes out with that bombastic language and then keeps their job, why? He's unfit to serve. He's un unfit, frankly, to shovel camel dung at the zoo. They should make a camel 
or a pile of camel dung mare, they probably do better than this asshole. Excuse my French. It was targeted against a specific person, he added. Luckily missed that person, but unfortunately they hit two other people. So this asshat actually identified a person that was targeted. Turns out it was just an accident. See how stupid you are, Mr. Mayor? You're so, so into virtue signaling. You're going to show everybody how much you care about gay people and trans people and LGBTQ people. You're going to show, so you go into an outrageously outrageous outrage and say a bunch of stupid things that aren't even true or close to true. They're not even in the same zip code with the truth. But it doesn't matter because you showed everybody how woke you are. What a freaking disgrace. For a while, Saturday, this is the other McCain running again, hashtag death sentence. That's right, as in Ron DeSantis. So hashtag death DeSantis was trending on Twitter because of a, he writes, bizarre and irrational belief that this alleged terror attack was somehow related to the anti-rioting bill that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis recently signed into law. But even if this had been an anti-gay hate crime, which it wasn't, there was nothing about the anti-rioting bill that would have applied to such circumstance. I'll explain that anti-rioting bill in a second. Uh, the whole thing was a paranoid delusion, sim symptomatic of the fear-based agenda of the Democratic Party. Amen to that, sir. In which everything is organized around a struggle, a struggle against forces of oppressive oppression. When they're not busy shrieking about homophobia, Democrats lecture us about the insidious power of systemic racism. Warn us that voter ID laws are disenfranchising black people and claim climate change is destroying the planet. This is entire this is the entirety of their agenda. All fear, all the time, and we should not be surprised by the hysteria it produces. Thank you, Robert Stacy McCain. Bravo, sir, again. Brilliant blog blogger, brilliant journalist, brilliant writer. Gotta love Robert Stacy McCain. Even though he doesn't call me anymore, doesn't talk anymore. I don't know. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe he's uh he's afraid that I've gone radical or something. I don't know. Actually, I'm just kidding about all that. But but think about it. You have this accident, everyone flies into outrage syndrome. Right? Outrageously outrageous outrage. And they try to say it was deliberate it was targeted even when it was just an accident no one waits for the punchline before they start laughing at the joke or deciding the joke's not funny it's how the joke can be spun to meet and fit their agenda and further their agenda and their narrative and they go with that and they never backtrack they never apologize they're never called out they're never fired for doing it they ought to be this mayor ought to be recalled because, yeah, that kind of rhetoric, yeah, it does inspire screwed up people. And I wouldn't blame the mayor saying stupid things for some idiot acting out. But you know what? I thought Democrats were against that type of language and hyperbole and rhetoric. 
Maybe not. Maybe when it's only convenient. And as I've said many times, leftism is an ideology of convenience for the left. But they really hate DeSantis. And as I, I talked about this, uh, <clears throat> quote, anti-rioting bill, uh, we saw during the, the protests last year, the riots, still the mostly peaceful, arsonistic, horrible, murderous riots, that a lot of people, a lot of the tactics of the rioters is blocking freeways, blocking highways, blocking roadways. Sometimes they'd block ambulances and fire trucks from getting to where they need to help people who may be dying or burning alive. That's really compassion. Make sure the people can't get medical help or fire or emergency or police help. That's leftist justice for you. But what they'll do is they'll surround a car. And imagine you're a woman or even a man. Maybe you got your wife, your two, three kids in the back seat. They're little kids. They're screaming. They're terrified. People are banging on the hood of your car, banging on the windows, banging on the roof of your car. And you're scared that you're going to die and your family is going to die and you can do nothing about it. So maybe you panic and maybe you have to get away. You're in fear for your life and rightfully so. So you hit the gas. You injure somebody. Maybe you kill a couple of people. You should be protected because you're saving your life. You are in fear of your life at that point. That's not protest. Terrorizing someone in their car isn't protest. Blocking roadways isn't protest. If you go to the city, the county, whoever it is, you get permission to, to use a certain roadway for a march, fine. There's processes to do. Do them fine. T's are crossed, I's are dotted, great. But terrorizing people by just randomly blocking roadways, you're not a protester if you do that. You're a thug. And you're threatening people. Your behavior is directly threatening. It's like uh, if someone, if a group of people were to come to my home and surround this home, Okay, my niece right now is staying here. She's 11. Live with my niece all my life. So here we are. My mother, who is sick, has to be cared for. My niece and me. A, a crowd is around my home, encircling it, preventing me from even opening the door, leaving. And they're chanting things and they're banging on the windows and banging on the door and kicking the door. You don't think I would fear for my life, my safety, and my, my family's safety? Of course I would. You don't think that's threatening behavior? Of course it is. And let me tell you what. If I were to do something to get people away from my home because I'm in fear for my life, why should I be punished for that? They did something wrong. That's what this bill in Florida is about. Is It allows you to get out and protect your life. And if someone gets run over, you know what? Their ass should not have been in the street threatening other people. Because they're mad or they're just some damn thug who wants to act out their thuggish fantasies. Now the final little story I'm going to talk about today. And it's not too little.
It's very important. It's a new book out by Michael A. Uh, Bellisiles. If I pronounce this, mispronounced your name, I, I apologize. But it is called Arming America, the Origins of a National Gun Culture. And if you can't tell by the ominous voice I used, uh, this man is arguing that uh, the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, or everything about America is, say it with me, kids, racist. And remember, there are five A's in the word racist. You must use five A's in the word racist because it shows how much you care about fighting racism. So make sure you say that. And one of my favorite thinkers in this country, it's not famous, should be, uh, has more talent in his little finger than about 90% of the people you see opining on, on TV, even on Fox. He should have his own show. That's how good this guy is. That's how brilliant he is. He's brilliant. Not because of educational credentials. But you know why he's brilliant? He's a thinker and he accepts wisdom, common sense, simple truths. The wisest people on earth may not be the best educated. Nothing wrong with education. But he's not an intellectual. Intellectuals, what did Thomas Sowell said? say? Some ideas are so bad only an intellectual could come up with them. Intellectuals, I'm speaking about people who, who are always thinking about things, talking about but they never do them. There's no practical knowledge, no practicality, no common sense, a.k.a. no wisdom in what they're, they're talking about. But I'm talking about Mike McDaniel. And he has a piece up about this book. And he writes this on his blog, which is Stately McDaniel Manor. I last wrote of the New York Times 1619 project on February 9th of last year, 2020. It was called the 1619 Project Academic Fraud. I begin that article, he writes, which I recommend you reread, and I do too as well, folks, with discussion of Michael Belisiles, who wrote a book entitled Arming America, Origins of the National Gun Culture. It was praised by all the right left people because it was eternal it was the eternal anti-liberty anti-gun narrative <clears throat> excuse me but this time backed by purportedly genuine scholarship for once and for all anti-liberty anti-gun cracktivists had science on their side and would vanquish god at the gun clinging deplorables balasov's claimed Claimed to have scoured historical documents, including wills, probate records, even produced quotes from the founders that seem to suggest they were as anti-liberty and anti-gun as the modern democratic, socialist, communist left, which wasn't quite as left then as it is now. But LaSalle's won perhaps the most coveted honor in the history profession, the Bancroft Prize. Belisals and the anti-liberty, anti-gun left were riding high. They were finally, finally, they had the scholarly study that would once and for all do away with that annoying Second Amendment. Alas, it wasn't to be. Even before the publication of that book, honest historians had questions 
questions about Belisau's data and his methods. No one could replicate the results. Hmm. It didn't take long to discover Belisau's took quotes out of context. Context is racist, baby. Made up sources and data, which are probably also racist, and could not produce any of his notes, data sets, or other documents mandatory to genuine scholarship. In other words, he was full of camel dung and nothing more. In other words, everything he wrote was a lie. Huh, leftist lying. Who ever heard of such a thing? There was no science involved, but boatloads of academic fraud. The Bancroft Prize was rescinded, taken away. His wrist was slapped. The only time to date that the Bancroft Prize had been rescinded and the book's publisher withdrew it and Emory University, where Belisau's taught, sought, and got his resignation. You know, that's uh, that's called comeuppance. That's called getting your just desserts. That's called getting your due. I followed that article, Mike McDaniel writes, in June of 2020 when, with the 1619 Project, Will We Help Ourselves? In that article, I noted, what it means, of course, is that not only acceptable to lie about history when upholding contemporary democratic, socialist, communist, social justice narratives are involved, it's mandatory. If you don't lie, you're wrong. Lying is the new truth thing. Lies are the truth. Black is what? Up is down. See? Now, <clears throat> McDaniel continues, we have another attempt to destroy the Second Amendment. But this time, not because Americans never owned, liked, or used guns. No, this time because racism. Yes, with five A's. David Harsanyi reports at National Review. Uh, this book is by Carol Anderson. I actually have an aunt named Carol Anderson. Aunt Peggy, that's her nickname, Aunt Peggy. No, I'm not blaming you if you listen to this. You're a fine person, one of my favorites. You didn't write this screed. You wouldn't. You have better sense. The second is the name of the book, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America. See, we're fatally unequal. And that is by New York Times bestselling author of White Rage. And... One person, no vote. So, social justice warrior Carol Anderson, not my my dear aunt. Left-wing academic Carol Anderson's new book, The Second, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America, is all over the news. The Second Amendment is not about guns, it's about anti-blackness. A new book argues, reads a CNN headline, NPR claims that the author has uncovered the racist roots of the Second Amendment and will never be the same. Oh, they hate that Second Amendment more than anything else the left hates. You're right to keep and bear arms, my friends. McDaniels writes, what an extraordinary new development. Extraordinary not in that 
race hustlers have discovered something else is racist. Everything is racist these days. Rain, snow, sunshine, Tuesday socks, clinics, highways, noses, toes, non-woke black people, you name it, it's racist. In fact, if you don't name it, it's still racist. Extraordinary not in that it plows new historical or academic ground, but because it's easily as much a fraud as Belisau's book. It was, in fact, the Democratic Party that did all it could to deprive black Americans of arms. Republicans, normal Americans of goodwill, defended and restored those rights. For a good article on this issue, consider this excerpt from an article by historian Clayton Kramer. It's from an 1840 law that uh, existed in the state of North Carolina. The law states that if any free Negro, mulatto, or free person of color shall wear or carry about his or her person or keep in his or her house any shotgun, musket, rifle, pistol, sword, dagger, or bowie knife, unless he or she shall have obtained a license therefore from the court of pleas and court of sessions of his or her county, Within one year preceding the wearing, keeping, or carrying thereof, he or she shall be guilty of a misdemeanor and may be indicted therefore. I don't know how that law was enforced, how strictly. I have a feeling it probably wasn't really enforced uh, very thoroughly. Uh, but back to Harsanyi. This is wishful thinking. The second is an attempt, much like the 1619 Project, to reimagine history. You hear that from the left, that we're going to reimagine economics, reimagine this, reimagine that. To reimagine history in purely racial terms. The result is a tenditious polemic that suffers not only from a, a paucity of historical evidence, but from a dishonest rendering of the facts, as we know. Mr. Asani, you need to stop using so many hard-to-pronounce words, for me, hard-to-pronounce, in your pieces, sir. You're brilliant. I love you, but settle down with that stuff. After comprehensively detailing the constitutional debate over slavery and the nefariousness of that institution, Anderson takes the liberty of asserting that the Second Amendment was not some hallowed ground, but rather a bribe paid again with black bodies. This is a contention that isn't backed by a single contemporaneous quote or piece of hard evidence in the book. Indeed, Anderson ignores the tradition of militias in English common law, codifying the ancient and indubitable indubitable right in the 1689 English Bill of Rights, which had nothing to do with chattel slavery. Anderson ignores the fact that nearly every intellectual, political, and military leader of the founding generation, many of whom had no connection to slavery, stressed the importance of self-defense in entirely different contexts. Oh, so once you read the words of the founders you get something quite different. And you really need to go read this, folks. I'm running out of time here. Re go read this whole thing from Mike McDaniel. Uh, really powerful stuff, educational stuff. But there is one tweet I have to share before. It's from my favorite gun-grabbing nutcase, Shannon Watts, who's about as empty of a suit as you could ever be. Uh, Moms Demand Action. She's kind of the spokes tool of that group. She tweeted this. 
the Supreme Court has changed, but the Constitution hasn't. Our founders never intended to create an unregulated individual right to a gun. A ruling to weaken gun laws and upend states' rights would make it harder to address gun violence and exacerbate this public health crisis. Notice her language. This is typical leftism. She says the founders never intended to create this right, the right to keep and bear arms. Well, they would agree with you, madam, because they they would tell you to the man they didn't create anything. Our creator created those rights. Those are natural rights to, to right to speak, worship, associate. And yes, bear arms, those are all natural rights. They're part of you as a human being as much as your DNA. Maybe not you, Shannon Watts, because you're a communist hack. But the fact is, our founders weren't about creating rights. They were about honoring rights and setting up a country that would protect and honor and cherish and defend those rights. The rights came before the founders before the Constitution, before America. They've always been there. They're a blessing and a gift from the Lord above, Shannon Watts. And please, folks, go read this, this whole piece. Stanley McDaniel Matter at WordPress.com. The Second Amendment is racist. Go read it. Extremely important that you do. And, folks, that's it for me. I've got to go up against the clock. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the delegator.com or the delegator daily thought podcast, do it monthly at anchor.doughagan. Do it at uh, delegator.com for the blog. You can also do a individual one-time donation at the delegator.com. Uh, you can set up a monthly subscription basically and, and be a donator every month for whatever amount you choose at anchor. Thank you very much. Remember the three golden rules of life. If you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America, and thank you, Lord, for those natural rights and the founders that cemented them. And finally, the maybe the biggest rule of all, coming in September very soon, go Gators. That's it for me, my friends. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your patronage. God bless. Take care. Be good. And I'll try to get another one of these out tomorrow for you. Again, God bless and take care. And God bless America.